I don't have a casual coming conversation topic this time. Oh. Oh, that's a shame. I know. If only it was a natural thing for me to do. I don't know. We. I don't. I don't know where I'm going we with had, any of we this. We had conversation free flowing. Yeah. Immediately before, what happened? Hey, <laughs> it's like you want to like awkward start this shit. <laughs> PS2 games. I just bought one. It's really funny that you did bring that up. Uh, yeah, but you were playing the PS3 remasters. I just bought a straight PS2 game literally today on the internet. I bought uh, which one? The Final Fantasy VII spinoff with Vincent called Dirge of Cerberus. Yeah, I never played it, but I was very interested in it. Uh, me too, honestly. I kind of heard back in the day that it wasn't good, and for some reason I just didn't get That's it. That's what I heard. Uh, but I said, fuck it, man. I bought it for like $30. Brand new, sealed, man, still. That, I mean, for a sealed game, that's great, but... I think that's when I, I remember hearing, like you said, it got really bad reviews... Heard a lot of negative things about it, and that, that was really crushing after Final Fantasy VII, because this was back when Square did no wrong. Like, they were just batting a thousand. Every game was a hit, and then this came out, and then so you heard, eh. This came out after eh. Bouncer, which was also not great. I, I Bouncer gets a lot of shit, because I think people were expecting something of Final Fantasy-level yeah. importance. And it wasn't. It was just like a really solid beat em up. It was, it was a great, it was a really solid, solemn three D beat em up. It was an awesome, like Japanese version of the movie Roadhouse, starring Patrick Swayze, but with like with the mechanics of Streets of Rage. Yes, but and, and told great. with with anime Final Fantasy Pretty Boys. It's fantastic. At Penguin, Penguin Divers. Like, re- remember the fucking enemies you fought yeah. and their absurd, stupid, pointy face costumes? Yeah. Uh, great. I That game is an underrated, like, it's not a 10 out of 10 game. It is a solid, like, 7 out of 10, just fun, good Man, game. I have it. I don't know. I haven't but played Bouncer anyway, since, like, Service, it came I out. heard was not even, like, fun. Oh, I'll find I'll I heard out. at times it's, it's a lot of trudgery to get to the fanboy service or the fan service stuff well will it be enough to break this fanboy tune in next time i don't time, think though. so find out <laughs> no you're, you're right it's not going to dent it at all i think you're gonna love it i played crisis core okay is that a good or bad one no it's not very good i don't know it's okay. a psp <laughs> hack and slash starring zach and all of these other characters that are just made up but are super important to this story it's very kingdom hearts Oh, it's like a 352 over 2 kind of tale. Very similar. Really irrelevant, but like parallel. Yeah, it was made by the same guy that did Kingdom Hearts. I'm almost positive. I should get corrected, but I'm pretty sure it was. And like, they just like gave him the, they're like, gave him the Final Fantasy 7 license on PSP and were like, yeah, just do what you want. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Hey, you know, Square. With great power. (laughs) Square is a company, uh, it's located in Japan, Japan is relevant to this month, Ryan. What is this month, Ryan? This month, you wonderful host, you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this month is Meja. It is a celebration of all things from just Asia, yeah. the greater Asia area. Yes. Uh, not specifically Japan, China, uh, Korea, anywhere, anywhere over there. So I'll go, I'll go ahead and spoil majority of the games are going to be from Japan and a majority of the films are probably going to be from China. Oh. Oh. You think? Uh, I know there's a lot of Korean. I know there's a lot of Korean. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to bring in a lot of Korean. I think if I can find my movie this year, it's going to be from Japan. Okay. Uh, If if it's free and available. If not, mine's totally going to be from Korea. My backup one's from Korea. But Uh, this, uh... But... Yeah. This month. What? It's, it's, I, what, uh, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't know. I think, did this <laughs> month start as a joke? Uh, was I it, think it did, it was kind like, of. One of those, it th- was, <laughs> we just, uh, for listeners that don't know, Ryan and I do talk outside of the show, and a lot of times 
we say incredibly stupid and ridiculous things, sometimes pertaining to the show. And I think one of those things was, hey, man, what about like a month of like all Asian Kung Fu stuff and things like that? And you're like, yeah, we can do it in May and call it Maysia. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, okay, yeah, we have to now. Yeah. I think that sounds right. Yeah. It's, it's, I wanted, yeah, you came maybe with like a whole month of Kung Fu and I want like, no, let's just do all Asia stuff. Yeah. Just like, let's open it up because I want to do like the weird shit too. I want to get like into Audition and Ichi the Killer. Tetsuo and the Iron weird, Man. Weird. Yeah, absolutely. We could go, what, Meatball Machine, uh, <laughs> oh, Machine yeah. Girl. Dude, it's uh, going to be so good. Uh, what's Tokyo the one? Gore Police. What's the one where Man. the dude uh, fights Godzilla monsters? He's like, uh, Super Japan Hero Man something. Fuck. Oh, he can like grow um, super big, it's but it's like it's Big presented- Man Japan. Yes, it's Big Man. It's Japan. like a documentary. It's so good. It's a great and it movie, gets man. so meta, yeah. fucking weird yeah. at the end. Yeah, it's a good movie. Uh, oh, this. So it's, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. While mm-hmm. the name may sound ridiculous. It comes from a serious place of love of a lot of things Asian. From me and Ryan, lest you think we're making a mockery, mm-hmm. uh, we do have a sincere <laughs> appreciation for a lot of things Asian, as most nerdy white dudes do, I feel. <laughs> we're probably typecast a bit. I am a self-professed weeaboo. Uh, I love a lot of anime type huh. shit. And Does weeaboo specifically pertain to anime and manga? To a degree. Or is it just really, the Asian culture in general? Like, what if you, like, really are into, let's say, like, well, K-pop the, bands or J-pop bands? Then I think you you are just, like, a K-pop fan, or they call them... Oh, okay. Actually, the term now is called a stan. What's that? What? How did that come about? Uh, because of the Eminem song about Stan, the super obsessed oh. fan. <laughs> Not, I'm not joking. That's that's where it comes from. So like you're, super you're a stan. Yeah, su- I'm not. I'm not. I would be a stan of like Final Fantasy VII. No, no, VII. I know you're not. I just yeah, oh, or shit like that's, that. That's okay. But like, I've not heard that before. I I greatly appreciate that. Welcome to the internet. And I it's mostly because <laughs> of like, I guess like K-pop fangirls mm. are the most vicious thing on Twitter right now, from what I understand. They go hard mm. if you even jokingly badmouth like K-pop idols. They will fu- and it's a lot of them are like white girls here in America is the craziest yeah. part. But like they fucking you will get descended on in mass on Twitter if you say the wrong thing. I I did not know that, but I get it. You I know you're heavy on the Twitter, sense. Ryan. You tweet a no, lot. No, I'm not. Also. You had a brilliant idea there. Welcome to the internet should be a Patreon show where you just introduce me to like things from the wow. fucking internet. Now that is a good damn idea. <laughs> that is a really good idea, actually. Mark that down. Yeah. <laughs> well, Check it? the records. Welcome to the internet. Let's go ahead and write that down right now. That's that's a money-making machine, dude. Because here's the thing. Perfect. Riot doesn't know dick about the internet. There's so much I can learn. <laughs> and he builds websites for a living. What? I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to copy, you know, any... I, like, or copy. Get design influence from anything from Twitter relating to uh, no, I'm Korean just, yeah. pop people going off. <laughs> but no, back to the original topic I was discussing. We do have a serious appreciation for a lot of things in... Asian circles. One of the big ones, at least for me, is the movie we're going to talk about today. This was one of the big, defining, eye-opening things that I had witnessed um, that opened a whole new world to me. it probably was for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I think this was a lot of people's entry into foreign films, especially Chinese and, you know, Japanese films specifically, I think. And I mean, I had seen like some anime as a kid and I liked Kung Fu movies as a kid, but like all of my Kung Fu that I watched was usually Mm -hmm. dubbed, uh, meaning that other voice actors, usually English, would say the lines over what the Chinese actors would be saying. It wouldn't match up. It was very common in Godzilla movies. There was, I remember people would make jokes where they'd say the words, but their mouths would move more. That was, it's a thing 
with dubbing that there was a whole yeah. movie based around that joke. Yeah, they squeeze <laughs> and they squeeze that well, didn't they? Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Misha? Are we gonna have to watch uh, Kung Pao? Honestly, I think there's so much to get through that we'll never need to go to those dregs. But I was thinking about it, and I think anything that is, like, really obsessed with and related to Asian culture, which I think Kung Pao is, I think that would count. I think uh, that would be fair game. You know, the guy that made that is the same guy that made all those Thumb parody movies. That makes complete sense. Like Thumb Wars? You remember? I know you saw yeah. that in Family Video. I that totally you saw Thumb Wars. Fucking Thumb Wars. Oh, I saw that Wars. as it aired on television. Oh. And recorded that on wow. VHS. They, he had tons of those movies. That's the same guy. Yeah. Oof. Remember that CGI Oof. cow? That early 90s CGI I, cow in Kung Pao? I honestly don't. So this will be one to go back to. Here's something. I saw Kung Pao when it first came out, and I didn't care for it, and then I never saw it again. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty so much that what happened might to me. Be... Oh, really? You're not you're not one of the ones who's a huge fan? I'm not, Because no. this one gets brought up by people as like being like one of their favorite movies of all time. Here's the thing. We're, we're opening our chest bare. We'll both get flayed for this one. I don't remember liking Kung Pao Into the Fist either. And thinking okay. it was not good time at all. I mean, if we start taking requests, which we probably won't, that might be one that gets requested from Asian in the future, I think, now after we've talked about it. <laughs> it's like, that movie is like that Will Ferrell movie where he, it's like a Spanish soap Casa opera. Casa de mi padre. Yeah. The joke uh-huh. wears real thin real quick. Yeah. I... I kind of respect Casa de Mi Padre more because I think they go for, like, serious beats and then, like, commit to the serious beats, at least. So they're going for some drama. I don't think it necessarily really super works against the comedy, but I kind of respect it more than what I remember of Kung Pao, which was just... I love... The dumbest, like, mystery science theater 3000 jokes from what I remember. I love that you've seen the Thumb Wars movie. (laughs) Which is... Oh, yeah. It's Star Wars with thumbs, people. A dude just green-screened his thumb and recreated Star Wars and sold it and people fucking bought it and watched it. Here's the thing. I am also the person that watched, like, that Raiders movie that was, like, the kids' recreation of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. I will watch that anytime. I will watch anything that is a recreation of something I enjoy. So, yeah, you want to do, like, one that's just fucking thumbs doing Star Hey, Kyle, did you do you remember this one? I was on Newgrounds making animated movies of trailers I loved of, with clocks in it. As part of the clock gang, if I think I recall talking about it at one point. The clock? Yeah, I don't think anybody will remember this because I it was so I do remember niche. you talking about it. I remember you talking no, about yeah, it. No, yeah, but like, if if anybody remembers oh. this on Newgrounds, okay. I will be very surprised. But there's like a set of like people called the clock gang or something. <laughs> Wait, no. <laughs> Led by I... Strawberry Clock. <laughs> Are you saying clock like a timekeeping device or clot like a blood yes. clot? Okay, clock. 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 Like a timepiece clock. Okay. Because you would have like an object with a clock face on it. So it'd be like a strawberry with a clock face. Okay. And the clock would probably move in animation, but that would be it. And you would do either stupid little cartoons like you would, or I'd see I'd see like a lot of music videos with the clocks. Like I got into it, the <laughs> gang. By, like, watching one, they, they took Sawn by Romstein, and they had Strawberry <laughs> Clock in prison breaking out, and it was, like, super sad, and there was, like, rain, it was heavy noir, and it was, like, the dopest thing I saw as, like, a 10-year-old on the internet. I was, like, I have to be part of this. I love it. So, like, I made, like, I recreated, like, the signs trailer, like, scenes from X-Men 2 Where in, like, these? clock form. They're lost to the fucking internet because I didn't save this shit and I I can't find them anymore. Uh, you don't but remember your Newgrounds name? It 
involved the blunt super duper kid and some kind of variation of it with maybe 3,000 attached because I was really into Andre 3,000. <laughs> the super duper blunt kid 3,000. And this was long before I even knew what a blunt was. I thought it was just a cigar. <laughs> just like a real stinky cigar. Oh, man. Uh, but I was trying to be cool because I saw Jay uh, and Silent Bob once. Dude. <laughs> this is my life, man. Month of Asia <laughs> is surpassing Stoner Movie September right now in enjoyment, at least. <laughs> Stoner Movie September for this year will have a lot to hype up, man, because damn. <laughs> that's really good. I don't know if I can top embarrassing stories like that shit. <laughs> that's pretty good. I wish you remembered I the news around stuff. Why did we get onto this? Because... I was, you thought I was making fun of people that created stuff? For, I forget what I was talking about even. Who knows? Check the tapes, listener. Go back hey! five minutes or whatever. Crouching Tiger, I can segue us back into this. Because I saw this hey! uh, when it opened. Much like you said you did with Kung Pao Enter the Fist. See how I linked those two stories? For real, though. Brilliant. Uh this movie I did see in theaters. I was a sophomore in high school. That would have been, what was that, 2000? What, what year did this movie come out? This movie came out in 2000. That makes yeah. sense. So, um, and I remember, like, I couldn't drive, but one of my friends who could drive, I had convinced him and two other friends to, like, go see this movie because. This was getting a lot of Oscar buzz, and for some reason, that mm -hmm. caught my attention when it has never fucking mattered to me before. And this was, like, the first movie that I wanted to, like, go see because they were saying it was this tour de force, this monumental art piece of cinema. And I was like, huh. So I convinced these mm -hmm. three friends to drive to fucking Showplace 12 <laughs> up in Bloomington, like, after it had just been built. Like, it was brand new. And so they were showing... Crouching Tiger in like this very limited run and we went and saw it and it was one of the coolest things I'd ever seen in a theater. I'd never seen anything like that and it was subtitled and because I'm not an idiot I can read and also focus on what's happening on the screen. I can do mm -hmm. two things at once. It doesn't shut my brain down like it seems to. Shocking. Right? It's insane. <laughs> uh, but that like opened up this whole world of like foreign films to me and like Oh, shit can be awesome when it's not from here. And, like, I started watching all kinds of crazy stuff from Japan and France and Russia, uh, like Stalker, watching Stalker as a kid. Mm. Or not. Yeah, it was Stalker. I think so. That's the name of it. That might be the game. That's the one where they go through uh, the Russian, like, fallout zone and they're trying to find the thing that'll make their wishes come true. I'm pretty sure that's called Stalker. It's this crazy. Right, right. I'm not yeah, familiar with this, uh, the plot of this movie either. It's crazy, man. It's a really good one. It's it's Russian nihilistic film, dude. It's real good, but so it's, it's pretty catered to one Kyle. It is. It is. <laughs> but it's a good fucking movie, man. You would really like it because it, it was right, made I'd in Russia in like that. 1979, like when shit was not good, and it's got like that harsh Russian like. Ooh, it's good, man. And it's all about, like, mm. weird-ass shit happening because of people fucking around with radiation. Good stuff. We're not... This is not Russia Fest, though. What would our Russian movie month be? I Marsh Russia? <laughs> no, it's terrible. Februasha. I feel like the... I mean, no. I mean, all armies march, but you could do something with, like, the marching to the... I don't know, but... <laughs> Every month! I've got nothing otherwise. That's the, the best I can do. The end of this show happens when every month is a theme and we do it for a whole year. I feel like that's coming sooner rather than later. It's really ramping up. <laughs> we have... No, we only have two theme months right now. Well, I mean, shit, that's two out of... 12. Two, though you're really trying to take a third one with that. We almost had Fincher February. Well, but see, that's a limited run event because there's yeah. only so many David Fincher movies. It might last two years yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, we, we really don't have another month. 
Not yet. No, I kind of, because we kind of have October, you have oh, to do... Oh, we do have Brookstober, but... You have to do horror movies. Oh, Brookstober, that's right. It is a you themed month. Movies. Mm-hmm. It is a themed month, and it does have a name. So that's three months. Yeah, we do have three. That's a quarter of the year so far. <laughs> All right, man. Fuck We're it, let's there. make it a third. Let's make it a third. I Venture February makes it a third. Yeah? Two more and it's half. Okay. 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 I've got I've got goals. I'll think on this. I've got goals. We're not rushing this. They happen naturally. All I have to do is come up with twelve months, <laughs> and I'm out of this prison. My contract is up. Huzzah! <laughs> what a twist, <laughs> what? dude! All right, so that's um that's interesting. I I was really curious as to how you responded to this movie originally when it came out because I think I had a very different response to it. But it ended up essentially doing the same for me, same thing for me, and having the same effect on me. That's awesome. Um, I I think I saw this maybe 2001, a year after it came out, because I saw it on pay-per-view at the time. Okay. Uh, and we paid to, to do it through the cable box. With your family? And, uh, yeah. Ooh. Which was surprising. Nobody, I think my dad hated it, which is not a surprise. Not at all. Um, he's not done good with any subtitled movie, I think, ever. Um, my mom, I think, kind of liked it. I, I can I, see I'm that. I'm not sure. I honestly don't remember. Um, I remember my reaction, which was I did not like it. Um, <clears throat> I don't remember why specifically. I remember really being taken aback by the floaty physics of the wire work here Mm -hmm. and especially like later on the bamboo fight and like that kind of stuff i remember not digging it really at all and i i I heard about like the 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 oscar buzz and like the talk of these wonderful choreographed fights and i just didn't get it at that time and i think the context here is I was in middle school. I, I think I was way too young to appreciate it. Like, the story I could keep up with, because like you, like, mm. I wasn't an idiot. I can do two things at once. It's not hard. Not yeah. at all. Um, But, I, I, yeah, I remember just being so I, disenchanted with it. And kind of confused by all the love for it. And just feeling it was kind of eh. Yeah. Eh. And this is honestly... No, no, this is a theme. I I feel that way about a lot of Ang Lee movies. So you do. I, I, really... I definitely know that. Which is, it's weird for me because I'm the complete opposite. I love Ang Lee. Uh, I love almost everything he's done. Hulk? No, I, that's why I said almost. Uh, um, what's the halftime show one that just came out recently? The Billy's Extraordinary Halftime Hour Walk Mile Walk. It's some... Horribly convoluted long name. He al- well, he also did that terrible uh, fucking Will Smith movie. Oh, Gemini Man. Yeah, yeah, which was terrible. But he did he, he did Life of Pi. I really liked Life of Pi. Oh, I do not. <clears throat> I think that's a technical exercise, and I think the emotional beats are ruined by the uh, obsession with technology in that movie. Yeah, he uh, he did Taking Woodstock, Sorry. which I also liked. <laughs> Uh, you know what? There you go. That might be the movie of his I like the most. That has so Dimitri far, Martin. I think. And I know yeah. you. And I know, Liam Schreiber in a yeah. great role. Yeah. Uh, he also did. And I know you, you don't like this movie, but I fucking love Brokeback Mountain. I really do. Mm. I've well, always loved Brokeback Mountain. I'm glad you brought up Brokeback Mountain. Uh, that'll come up later. Cool. Uh, I don't even have to try to remember it. It is like the linchpin to my point in Crouching Tiger. But all this preamble is to say I went in really wanting to give this like a chance and be like, win me over. I was a dumb kid. Like I am completely open angly. I am yours. Do your cinematic Chinese masterpiece on me. And I think there's a lot to admire here. I love... (laughs) Now, I love the fights. I think the choreography and the set pieces are some of the best parts of this movie. I think I'll bring the that cinematography up is gorgeous. Yes. The set pieces are not the set pieces, but the settings, like the, the sets, 
the actual the costuming, every, the production yeah. is so amazing. I think Ang Lee is a very, very stilted storyteller, and I know he's trying to go for traditional and restrained, but I think his drama is very limp here. I don't like his dialogue, and I don't think his editing is very sharp or good. His, his editing is not good for what this movie is trying to do when it's not a kung fu masterpiece, which is tell this weird yes. interwoven story with a lot of like it's very chinese heavy on like the the indomitable spirit man who like is uh chow young fat but our lead mm-hmm. who's like he's he's the most stoic Lee. of stoic monks he's the most Lee noble <laughs> of, of noble people he's the most uh he's superman before superman like he is what you would aspire to be and it feels really hollow even from chow yun fat it it's crazy like it's because i'm i'm agreeing with you a lot on this movie surprise surprise i haven't seen this movie for a long time i definitely had some issues with it on this rewatch uh for me one of my big issues is the fucking pacing which has been my argument since Mm -hmm. this podcast started this whole fucking desert scene is oh that was way too this long. This is all right. Great. This is going to be maybe. I'm glad that we're really on it on, on the same wavelength on this one because I really thought it was going to go in hating on this movie in parts, and it was just going to be like this unflappable masterpiece. In your opinion, it's like oh, I don't this think is it is. Suck. No, man. Great, but I will say I'm with you 100. percent Pacing's not great. I kind of love the desert really? scene as its own movie. That's, and I don't that is like it. I was like sitting everything there last else night, around yeah. it. It, it makes like, no sense in the movie, it's but like, I, this I is love two it. separate fucking movies. I would watch this Aladdin Chinese story of this guy, but like yes. I don't fucking care. And it, here's the thing that it it didn't add anything to the story outside no, of well, the excuse a, to tell uh, the story. Of when he jumped off the fucking mountain, which ties it into the end. But we don't need yep. 45 minutes to get there. Yeah. Because yeah, that, that I line, mean, sorry, one more, that line, when it's said, is yeah. still, it's almost said as like a throwaway. The, because, mm-hmm. again, probably of Ang Lee's filmmaking, it doesn't have the, like, you don't fucking care. There's just these two people talking endlessly in a cave, and it's the end of this fucking conversation that you wanted to end five minutes ago anyways, because nothing exciting is happening. They're laying around on these fucking furs talking, and he tells this Mm -hmm. one story. And then it's never referenced again until the fucking end, and you don't even pick up on it if you're not paying attention. Because it's not like he definitely says it, it's just like, if you noticed, what she does at the end of the movie is what the fairy tale said an hour and 15 minutes ago. I think I I'm kind of with you um, in that it feels very throwaway, but I think I don't think it's because it was too subtle because I think it was really on the nose and the movie almost comes to a stop to tell you this parable of the man jumping from the waterfall. Yeah. I, and it's like, it's clearly, it's like, okay, so this is going to tie into the movie somehow. And it's this thing where it's like, it's a clear setup. It's a that's going to be gun. paid off later. And then it's just paid off to end the movie because they didn't know how to end the movie. Yeah. So it feels really well, hollow. Also, And it ultimately, yeah. well, I'm sorry. No, it's it's going on the relationship when this, I, it's it's what I love is their weird tumultuous relationship. And like she fucking stabs him with an arrow at yeah. one point. Then it turns it. And that's great. But then, like, we never, ever see the turn past that. We're just told they're in love. Yeah. And then they end it. She ends it. Yeah, the next time we see this dude, she dumps him. But we don't know why. Like, she's she's reunited, and then she's sad, but because Michelle Yeoh's character told her to be true to herself, she now ends it, even though, like, they're kind of perfect for each other, right? And Yeah. But I, I, this is all very... I think a lot of it, too, is, is, yeah. is Chinese parable that, as try as they might, still doesn't translate to English. This is the big problem with, like, yeah. JRPGs from, like, Square Enix bringing them back up. From what I don't know if we actually talked about them on air, but we were talking about Square Enix at some <laughs> point. 
and just Squaresoft in general. But like, they had a hard time getting foothold in the year in the Western market because of the mm-hmm. fact that like a Japanese story and the beats that it hits are different from what an American and a European look for in a story. We like a third act, yeah. like a uh, redemption arc cycle. Like you got to go up and lose everything to get it all back at the end. That's sort of how we like our stories structured. And these stories are not structured that way, mm-hmm. especially Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which is actually the fourth part of a five part Chinese novel like, what? which, again, is a different thing that, like, China does, whereas, like, here, we're big on the trilogy. In China, everything oh. is done in, like, a five-act giant overarching story. And Crouching yeah. Tiger, Hidden Dragon is just, like, the fourth part of this so, whole let overarching me ask you, thing. I don't know much about it. The, no. Did they film the first three parts, or did they just immediately start with the fourth part? So... Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is the fourth book. Okay. So there's but this five is, books. They, no other movies. No. This, they just start with they, they the They just did book. Crouching Tiger. And it's very heavily adapted, too, from what I understood. All right. Well, here's the thing. I will say you can do that and have a movie be successful because I just recently watched East of Eden, which is like only the last third of the John Steinbeck book where you only see the the like the newest generation's kind of point of view and you get none of the backstory that are like the whole first two thirds of the book and guess what East of Eden it's kind of a perfect fucking film and it works just fine without it yeah it, it's it's all about like how the story's told and I I think I think you're right there's something <clears throat> lost in translation and you mentioned it earlier we are two nerdy white boys uh maybe it's something that's lost on us yeah. and it does resonate more but then that makes me call out the pretentiousness of the academy who are not chinese people and they're just like pumping this shit up yeah you know well i on the other hand too now remember this is 2000 this was a beautiful looking movie from china with fight scenes choreographed from the dude who just did the matrix the year before and it had this fucking out of this world Mm. wire work which you had never seen Ever. Like, you saw a little bit in The Matrix, but almost every fight in this movie is very floaty because they're on the wires. And it's got this mm-hmm. ethereal, like, dancer quality to it because of that. They're not brutal kung fu moves. It's all very flowing like water. It's a much different kung fu movie than, like, mm-hmm. the show of strength. Because the, the big thing is that, like, Chow Yun-Fat, uh, his character is this warrior, this hardened veteran He's fought in a thousand wars. He's got this 400-year-old sword that is cursed. It's called the Green Destiny. Uh, It's not so much cursed, but it's like a legendary sword. And he's been the wielder of it. And at this point, like, we... He's telling us, because it's just very blatant, in-your-face storytelling, that, like, he's tired of this life. He wants to retire and meditate and just spend uh, his life away from killing he spent so much of his life killing it's again a pretty common trope that you've heard a lot in storytelling and it plays out very differently because of course his fantastic (coughs) famous sword that he gives up gets stolen and he gets involved in getting it back and then also maybe wanting to take (coughs) on the person who stole the sword as his apprentice because his mat there's so much going on in this movie man but it is shockingly oh, yeah. easy to follow if you are just into it. I there's a lot again. Of... I I agree with you, but I feel like there's more pontificating needed because I think it is mm. easy to follow, and I think that's a flaw. Yeah, because they they stop the movie to like really tell you what's happening because they need to because otherwise these character transitions <clears throat> and arcs turn on a dime without anything. Chow Yun-Fat goes from wanting to kill Jin to, like, wanting to take her on as a tootie, uh, as her, as, uh, what's the, what's the one? It's not a tootie. I don't know, but we're saying tootie. All right, so a tutor and a tootie? (laughs) A sensei Uh, and a pupil? Well, let's just say student. Fuck, yeah. As a student in the Wu-Dang house, you know, right? Uh Um, Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. 
But we never ever see the character's transition, why he would want to do that. Yeah. It is just because it's it's needed for the sake of adhering to the parable or the story in the beats in there. But like, exactly. there are two or three interstitial character moments where we need that, where he's talking to like Michelle Yeoh's character and like relating to her like this hatred and wanting to have this vengeance. And maybe she imparts some wisdom on him and talks him down a little bit and they kind of see eye to eye and that maybe makes him come to the realization instead of just the next scene like, oh, I'm cool. Let's, all right, you're my student if you want. <laughs> I do like that she's immediately like, fuck your whore. Fuck your whore students. Yes. <laughs> right, I forget, she says Wu-Dang is a whorehouse. That's what it is. She's like, fuck your school. Wu-Dang, Wu-Dang is, is a whorehouse. Whore it's such such a great diss. I was like, man, I'm gonna start it's telling people. So disrespectful. Yeah. It's I I I love and this is I think I think Chalian Fat's character is tragically flat, even though he's a great actor. Yes. Everything is delivered so flatly between him and Michelle Yeoh. There's a reason for that. Until the very end. There is a reason until for that. Until the very yeah. end. I I know. No, it's not. But it's, it it's, doesn't make it's, it's nothing like Oh, with, not narratively? No. It's because this entire movie is in Mandarin, and Chow Yun-Fat didn't speak Mandarin. So, like, to get the dialect right, he had to say everything slow. And, like, I'm not, so that's why everything is sort of given that way, because it's, it's all in Mandarin. And that's, he's not the only one that had some issues with that. Um, Michelle Yell, she had to, like, she took, like, a whole year before this movie started. She was in pre-production just learning Mandarin. I will say they all spoke I won't Cantonese. Be, yeah, that makes sense. I, I I can't be too upset at Michelle Yeoh. I think she she honestly does the best with what she's given. But really, her character is supposed to be very monk like yes. until the very end, <clears throat> and it doesn't make for a really she's compelling not exciting to watch. If we we don't see that build up. we don't see the three books of their romantic tension. We just see the fucking kind of climax and it's well, not satisfying yeah Jin, i think is the only really satisfying compelling character in this movie and that's why like i'm a-okay with the desert stuff because i have so many issues with the first third of this movie i i oh the pacing and character work is garbage in my opinion i think it's all over the place and it, hers <laughs> i think is the only really spark of a character and it sucks too because the first part does show us some really cool things, and it has some really nice attention to detail that I really like, but it does get mm. so bogged down just in itself. Like, yeah, there's so it much lingers, exposition. It lingers on shit that doesn't matter, and for for no reason. Like, yeah, for what I, the story is, uh, it's almost like a red herring. Like, it's weird. You, yes, red herring. You're on the nose. There are scenes that could be cut, and this this movie would be none the worse for. Like, we do not need to have that sword shop scene. The the going to that guy and giving him the sword. Cut all of that shit. Just have it stolen from Chow Yun Fat. Yeah, and you can have the same character arcs and same dynamics, and it works just the same. And there's 20 minutes of the movie. We don't need to explain all this shit to this traitor guy. Like it's not needed. What I do I'm, like, I'm with you. I like when the sword is stolen though, and those dudes are running around with the, like the lanterns, and they're putting them up on like the roofs. It's it's such a they don't even focus on it, but it's such a cool mm-hmm. little touch that like fucking hey, it's like what I love about period films. I'm I'm such a sucker for anything yeah. that's set in like a certain uh, era, and this one. I'm with you. Yeah. The attention to detail is fantastic here, and that's that only production, but. Yeah, <laughs> we we lack it on the storytelling. It's yeah, it's like I don't know. It's like yeah. Michael Bay too. Like you know, you're going to see some cool shit, but also it's going to be boring mm-hmm. as fuck because the guy can't tell a yeah. story on film. So Honestly, and he does some good shit, dude. I shit. I think that is one of the most apt comparisons you made yet. <laughs> I think they are the same filmmaker. Only one's more juvenile and one's more serious. Yeah. I think they have the same flaws and issues as the other one. I think they both just rely on tricks and gimmicks and trying to, like, push something. Like, either the cinematography, the period, whatever. The and wire they work. always, always yeah. do not care about the story or it's, like, the very last thing that yeah. matters to them. Yep. Yeah. 
I do. That is such a good comparison. And again, you can, you unfortunately can really see it in Crouching Tiger. And again, maybe part of that is the fact that it is an adapted Chinese parable that just, Mm -hmm. for the most part, doesn't have the same resonant weight with us. But it still shouldn't have to. It should, if you're, it should be an entertaining spectacle if you're releasing it that way. And that's what this Mm -hmm. is marketed as. Maybe, you know could be marketing problems too marketing does that shit to movies all the time they lead them as things that they're not but what this movie does have is some pretty kick-ass kung fu fight scenes ryan yes it does yes it does how do you want to talk about these do you have a do you have a favorite do you have one that stands out i mean to you? visually honest hands down the bamboo fight like when they're just standing there and the wind is blowing with them and they're just on the fucking bamboo is such a beautiful little segment. And you've got this, these violins just in the background. And they're so like, it all feels like the music does a lot to bring you into that scene because it's like mimicking a wind almost. And it just mm-hmm. is flowing. That part's awesome. Uh, I love the first fight scene with uh, Michelle Yeoh's char- character and Jin Yu's character where they, they have this yeah. really cool scene that again, it's all the matrix fight choreographer guy. But they do these this weird thing where, like, they're catching each other's leg and it becomes, like, a theme throughout the fight. And they're, like, shaking it off each other with these weird little knee things. It's so cool. And I love that. I love that fight. What about you? Uh, I'm, I really gravitate towards the uh, fight with Jin later on where she's in the restaurant. That's and a really then cool all fight. Of the the different gangs come to like, or the different houses come to, I guess have her pay respects, so to speak. And she is the most disrespectful, so great, person on the planet, and just destroys that restaurant. Yeah, like the it's one of those <clears throat> great scenes that ends with like a almost Charlie Chapman esque gag of like the the bridgeway just collapsing at the end of the fight. Well, it's it's. It's good. And it was like a fight. It almost seemed to me like a homage to Legend of the Drunken Master with Jackie Chan because there's that huge yeah. fight in that restaurant with the Axe Gang in that one. And like the same thing happens. Like just like the whole the building story falls of this apart. Restaurant. Yeah. So it's, mm-hmm. it, I, I was watching this whole scene this time with new eyes like I think that's that's a that's a nod to that movie. Or at least to I think yeah. that's that's also a pretty common trope because it happens in uh what's it's not Shaolin Soccer. It's the other one. Um, Kung Fu Hustle. Kung Fu Hustle. There's also a giant restaurant fight scene in that too, is there not? Mm-hmm. It's like there this. Is. It's like it's a cool little nod that I, I really did appreciate. I do like that fight too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, also I would go with the uh, Jen and Michelle Yeoh final fight scene because of all the emotion and I think like the jumping from weapon to weapon on Michelle Yeoh's that's part, really like, cool, and she just keeps hacking I, them down. Yeah, but she still is just, like, kind of... She's not winning, necessarily, but I think she ends up winning the scene because she's going through each of those and, like, adapting to a new style every, like, 30, 40 seconds. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a... It's it's a quite a it, remarkable scene. My fa- And it's one of my favorite scenes still. I, I remember this scene, and I, I loved it when it came back up, is when she gets just this giant, like, brass rod. It's just thick, solid brass... And she's just banging this thing. And you can see it get damaged when she's using it. It's got, like, hunks chunked out of it. And again, mm-hmm. still, this thin little fucking paper-thin sword slices it in half. And it's that, oh, that's the part of these things that I love, these Asian stories mm-hmm. with, like, just this one weapon that's so ridiculous. And it just dominates yeah. all. And I, they even mentioned that. She's like, that's not you that's beating me. The sword is winning for you. And she's like, she turns it around. She's like, Oh, pity the the poor fighter blames the weapon. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. great. She she's such a sassy bitch in this movie. It is. She it also has like that everyone. one little she does. I she, her character is so good. It's I I love any time you have like the one rebellious character who is just going to spit in the eye of, of everybody. everyone around them and they no keep matter giving him a what. chance and she's still like, "No, fuck you." It's like the Hound in Game of Thrones. It is. It's that's always like my favorite character in any of these types of movies or shows. Um, that one, that one fight scene has like a great gag too, where she picks up the big. Oh, I don't know what it's, it's called. It's like a candle but like the holder, big, yeah, 
or like an incense that burner. Huge, is it a candle holder? It's something, incense yeah. burner, yeah. yeah. It's some big long rod with a giant ball, and she goes to like fight, but it's like too heavy, so she gets dragged back a little bit, and then just like kind of like knowingly like looks at Jin, and Jin looks at her, and they're like, "Yeah, what was I thinking?" And then goes back for another yeah, one real quick. That's good. I. I wish there was a little bit more of that levity there is, there, in the it, dialogue oh, in the rest of this yeah, movie. Yeah, because I was going to say it comes up and again. And that's what we need. A little bit later because there's this uh, security guard at the main compound that the whole time suspects the Shin people. And he shows up at this big graveyard fight. But he's got this grappling hook that he's been playing with like before the fight starts. Yeah. And then when it ramps up, he like he runs into the fight too, forgetting that he's tied off to this grappling hook that he's attached to this building and it like yanks him back <laughs> and then he's like struggling to untie it and everybody's fighting without him oh it's it's comical enough that it's enjoyable but it doesn't take you out of the story it's not slapstick yeah i agree i i was totally into it i will say that fight scene it ends in a way that took me out of the story when which she just is like the floats away no, no, that was fine. Oh. The the fucking thing oh. in that dude's head yeah, yeah. being so jarring because there's not been anything nearly as graphic in this movie. And this comes after that dude getting sucked to the tree and, like, Mr. Magooing around in the fight. And, like, the one guy's, like, using his weapon to fight with, like, that guy as, like, the Bernie in the middle. Like, there's a lot of comedic oh, beats. That was a cool part, too. And then it too. ends... With that guy fucking getting, like, that big old shuriken thing that's not a shuriken, it's bigger, in the fucking head graphically and yeah. dying in front of his daughter. And it's just so weirdly, tonally Executed. serious and it, dark. It shifts after so hard. a very light yeah. fight. Yeah. It's, it's, it'd be like the, and this is a stupid reference, the Daredevil Electra playground scene, like, ending with one of them getting impaled on the swing set. <laughs> It's fucking weird. It also, it comes up again at the end, like, where characters just die because, oh, you're mm -hmm. supposed to. Um, yeah. it's It doesn't even have weight. It was really weird. Um, yeah. 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 It's, but everything it's right all before about that the altruism and the monastic qualities of his death and yes. and that he gave up his chance at eternity for her and it's very romantic and it's very again it's poetry it's it's prose but it's like it's that person who goes to college and learns poetry for the first time and then it's like i got this i can do this well not only that but the first time that you've heard their fantastic poetry is like when they mm. wrote it on their life journal blog <laughs> so it's it, that's sort of the way that this movie interprets the, the it's not it doesn't have the passion of the poetry mm. it has the visible like you can tell that he likes poetry like he's hitting yep. poetry beats because this movie looks fantastic but it doesn't float which again we will probably disagree here i think that's a thing that he nails in brokeback mm. But that's me. I would be more than interested in giving that movie a chance, but it's one I remember very much like how I felt about Crouching Tiger now, which is great, great cinematography, gorgeous movie, not great pacing with weird character turns that I just did not fucking buy. I don't remember weird character turns, and I remember it's helped very much because of the performances of Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, he's they, very, very they, strong. And, and they Hathaway outshine and Michelle Ang Williams, Lee. too. Yeah, yeah. They they mm -hmm. elevate what Ang Lee... It's a, I don't know. It's Again, it's weird. It's like, mm -hmm. visually, it's a fucking beautiful Ang Lee movie. And then you have the fantastic acting of all those people that elevates, I think, mm -hmm. what the characters in this movie have doing. Possibly because they are also struggling not only with learning Kung Fu, because... As good as he is and well-known, this was the first, like, martial arts movie Chow Yun-Fat had ever done. He's really? Not, yeah, he's not done, like, a kung fu movie. He's done action mm. movies, but not yeah. kung fu, like, with sword fighting and all of that shit. So, like, all these people are learning kung fu, and they're also learning, like, a different language that this whole movie's in. So... I can kind of see where things get a little wooden from everybody, and Ang Lee doesn't help that, I feel. Whereas, I, in Brokeback, those other yeah. people can get better than that. They don't need somebody telling them. 
I can see that. I still, from what I remember, again, I want to go back back to Brokeback, but it, I, I feel like it always comes back to my to dialogue. Mm-hmm. I think I've never, I've never watched an angry movie and felt like I'm watching real life. <laughs> like this dialogue always feels stilted and stagey and somebody trying to make a point sure about something I t- and i, I felt that, that in broke back i felt that i in don't the feel Hulk. it i felt that in the billy lee's halftime yeah. super walk mile hour halftime super show whatever g- goddamn 4k 60 frame per <laughs> second movie needed to be uh, i didn't see gemini man i imagine it's that Plus, it's um, two Will Smith characters. That's what everybody wants is more Will Smith, right? Life of Pi, which I keep forgetting is Ang Lee, but same with Life of Pi. And he had a fucking book to work off of. And I still felt Honestly, the dialogue was real stilted and weirdly edited. I forgot that this movie was Ang Lee until like halfway through it. And then I was like, this is an Ang Lee movie, I think. I think this is the first time I saw an Ang Lee movie. And it was. It's at an the Ang Lee end, joint. And yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> that was right. And then when it, but when I thought that, I was like, I wonder how Ryan's going to like this movie. But this was before, <laughs> and it really set in. This, I realized it, and then the movie set in for me, too, and I was like, oh, yeah, there's some things that are not great. Yeah, yeah. There are and some things that are great, I, too. Overall, this I is... I agree, yeah. yeah. It's fucking... I agree. I, 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 I just said... I, I, I've been a lot of negative, but like again, there are a lot of good things. I I think every set piece is really, really something special, mm-hmm. and I do think the movie does hit moments where it's narratively alive and firing at all cylinders. It's just not, sadly, you know, continuous. It's not throughout the entire movie that mm-hmm. it's, it's it's not consistent. Yep. It, it's very hit and miss when it comes to its narrative. Here's the thing, look, this this final thoughts. I don't know if we're going to break, because I don't know, how do we break in Mesha? But, my final uh, thought... Can we ever remember our movies from last year? No. Uh, wait. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. The answer is a hard no. Uh, but, for Crossing Tiger, Hidden Dragon, my final thoughts are, it's the prettiest goddamn kung fu movie you'll ever watch. You don't think so? Hard no. Hero. Hero exists. See, to me... Hero is goddamn gorgeous. I I love Hero. (sighs) Maybe it's because... I don't know. I totally agree with you. Hero is also gorgeous. I'd also go with House of Flying Daggers also. also, Those all three of these are similar in, like, their presentation. Um, Mm -hmm. Hero... Yeah, Hero works really well. I think Crouching Tiger is prettier just myself but again all Mm -hmm. this is subjective as well so you know what my pick's not locked in fuck it we might just do hero i would watch hero find out i'd watch hero (laughs) right fucking now i don't care i do love hero me too i i do too i and honestly i'd watch crouching tiger again yeah it's not it's not the worst kung fu movie it's it's really not it's got its problem it's clunky but it's also engaging at times and those fight scenes are choreographed from the dude that did the matrix and they are fucking lit really good kung fu and kill bill volume one Uh uh-huh really really good kung fu uh Mm -hmm. i mean really solid really solid choreography i do remember we did i fucking talked about it we did legends of the drunken master with jackie chan that was my choice last year I can't remember what my choice was. Was yours not Kung Fu Hustle? No, we talked about that, I think, long before Meja was... did we? A thing? uh, A thing. Yeah, I don't remember what I talked about last year. I know we did Yakuza 0. Yep. And then... That is it. My memory is not what it used to be. Ain't what it used (laughs) to be. I also, like, watch way too many things and talk about Way too much now. Like my Ryan's memory ain't what it used to be. Ain't what it used to be. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> uh, so this is the month of Mesia. It is, and we got a lot of Mesia-related topics coming up. Uh, why don't you drop Ooh. a couple of those on me? So some of the Mesia topics we have coming up. Uh, well, we have. Oh Lord, there's a game. I. 
I remember the game. It's Catherine yep. by Atlas, which Talk about I am Catherine, very much looking forward to. Like you're vamping for time while I look up what I know you're thinking about. Thank you. Yeah, I was like, I know what we're doing. I just can't remember the name of it right now. Um, Catherine is uh, a weird puzzle platformer game where you're kind of cube burning up blocks, Slash but it has a him? weird psychosexual dating sim element to it. Um, but... I will say I'm halfway into it, and it's it's gonna be worth talking about. I won't. I'll keep my cards close to my chest and how I, I feel about it. But right back there, if you see, I I have the sheep from Catherine. It's nice. It's nice. One of the sheep. Uh, we'll we'll talk about the sheep as well. But yeah, we're we're talking mm-hmm. about Catherine, uh, a very 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 Japanese game, I believe, made by Atlas. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yep, you can tell it has very persona a lot of persona yep. vibes to it. It's got that hand drawn anime characters mm-hmm. too, which is just also very punk rock dialogue. Oh, yeah. Like uh, just uh, nihilism. This game is dripping with nihilism. I'm so excited to talk to you about Catherine, buddy. Oh, uh, I yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> what we're also going to be talking about uh, last year, if you remember, for Yakuza Zero, we had our good buddy Paul Cornon, who is another fellow Asianite, Asianophile. Asian obsessed person weirdo guy like us is that I don't know how to say that any differently. Asian person weirdo guy like us. An yep. Ogvalo. <laughs> but uh, we had him on for Catchy. yeah, it was a zero this year. Uh, we're watching an entire first season of an anime, which is exciting because Ryan doesn't watch much anime. I know this is a commitment, but it totally fits into the major theme, and uh, that series oh, yeah. is called. Promised Neverland. So if you'd like to uh, to get up to speed on that, before we, I think that'll probably be the last thing we talk about in Mesia so we can get through it all. Um, expect Catherine's yep. second weekend. Next week will be a movie of Ryan's choice, which is... Yeah, I, I'll tell you, uh, if I can find it, it was on Netflix. I didn't check beforehand. Mm. If, it, if it's not for free streaming somewhere, it's going to be Sion Sono's Tag, which is... A 90-minute masterpiece in what the fuck is happening love that it. I would love for you to experience. Okay. But if that doesn't work, the backup is we are going to South Korea, we are going to Bong Joon-ho, and we are going to talk about the host. Oh, not Parasite? Not okay. Parasite. Okay. It's, that's a little too soon to the Oscar stuff. I don't want to be sucking that Oscar dick. I would suck go that Oscar Because I think it's a, such a good monster okay. movie. Uh, the host is also on Hulu, is it not? I think yep. three of the yeah. He's got Parasite, The Host, and one more. Mother. Mother, that's right. So, mm-hmm. And Mother is also worth watching, too. Uh, I'm down for either of those, whichever it comes out to be. Um, mm-hmm. But in the middle of these four episodes, we've kind of got a milestone coming up here, buddy. We sure do. Technically, we passed this milestone like 20 episodes ago, <laughs> but... Numerically, we are coming up on episode 200, which is pretty fucking exciting. I can't believe that shit. Uh, We're going to do 200 shots on air. (laughs) Uh, We might die. We might die. That's a guaranteed goddamn T, my friend. Also, that's not going to happen. I will not commit to that, and I'm not going to be doing that. Uh, Last, for our 100th episode... We did a thing where we looked back on the first hundred episodes of Experience Grind and kind of thought about like what our least and favorite episodes were. Uh, this year, we're not doing anything of that. We're really big into numbers and themes. Uh, so there's a little movie called 200 Cigarettes, which just so happens to have the number 200 in the name. That's all it needed to get into this. So that's what we're mm-hmm. fucking talking about. It's a movie called 200 Cigarettes for our 200th episode. I'm actually looking Kyle, forward to it. What? What do you know about 200 cigarettes? Because I think you and I know about the same going into 200 yeah, cigarettes. Yeah, uh, about 200 cigarettes, I thought I knew a lot. It turns out I know literally jack shit because I was thinking of the movie Coffee and Cigarettes. So, oh, I know nice. absolutely nothing. It's going to be awesome. Is Natasha Leone in this? I think so, or Christina Ricci is in it. Oh, shit. Um, I think 200 well, cigarettes not... is still pretty good, like, indie... I oh, think we're shit. gonna. Dig I think it. you're right. It might be Christina Ricci. Yeah, I think we're gonna dig it. I think it's uh, up our indie pretentious alley. Ooh, maybe or it's aged like 
milk and then it's just like rotten pretentious <laughs> 2000s dribble i'm excited to find out we're gonna talk it's that's the it'll cool be fun thing. either way yeah, that's the cool <laughs> thing about the show is that sometimes we both get into things that neither of us have ever seen and this is one of them i've heard about this movie um a, a lot kind of it's been referenced or around but never seen it so and shit Maybe it's due for a comeback, like that thing you do, or like uh, Empire Records. Maybe it'll be like the next cult hit. We start the next wave. The the wave of it. Yeah, we are the starting surge. So that said, you all know it. You know what's coming. Watch 200 Cigarettes and those other things we are going to be talking about it. Yes. Um, But that's it, man. This is Month of Mesia. I hope you like that intro and outro theme song, which is, yes, you are correct. That is a ripoff. It's totally an Incubus song. I just stole it. I don't care. That's what we do here. Yeah, this shit's not monetized. Whatever. Yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is uh, the month of Mesia. So we hope you guys liked it. And we hope you continue to like it. If you liked or didn't like Crouching Tiger, please let us know. We really love engaging with you guys. That's a big reason we keep coming back and doing with this. It's because you guys talk to us outside of this. And we really love that. Engage with us. Talk to us. Please. We live for it. Excuse me. I've, I've had two beers and some sake Sopra shots. not sitting well, huh? No. <laughs> not mixed with uh, American Miller High Life after. They're fighting in my stomach. Oh. Yeah, that was a bad mix. You never yep. end with America. So for, for reference, again, because we're heavy into theming here, for the entire month I drink Sapporo Japanese beer and I have sake, a, uh, a Japanese rice wine to drink so show off i had none of that and i drank (laughs) cheap shitty canadian whiskey (laughs) that's the ryan deborest way (laughs) god damn it oh man i hope that's not my legacy (laughs) do it right get seagrams (laughs) anyways man I'm looking forward to the rest of Asia, buddy. Are you? I would get sponsored by Seagrams in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Um, Because free booze. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Mesha's going to be great, man. I'm actually really... What started as a joke, I like this month. Because it's not often that I do get to talk about things that I like like this. So, fucking hey, thanks for the excuse, man. Nice, nice. Same here. I I love this shit, and I also it's not mainstream enough. People don't s- talk about this a lot. So next next why year's... not use this show of ours to talk about something that we love, right? Next year's month of Mesia is Ryan and I uh, doing our own shot for shot version of Iron Fist. What's Iron Fist? Is that not the Netflix show with the the Asian white dude from Marvel? What is that? Also. Also, again, Danny Rand is not an Asian in the comic book. I know. He's a white man. I know. That's why we're doing it. But is that what, what? Is, is that not Iron Fist? Am I crazy? What is Iron show? Fist? Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Iron Fist. Yeah. I just I would never have ex- expected an Iron Fist to drop from you. I know. Right. Not only is it like obscure Marvel, but it's like the shittiest obscure Marvel. <laughs> what well, I'm producing and directing specifically. The show, specifically the show. The You're comics starting. are great. You're I really Iron enjoy Fist. the comics. And oh, my, no. Next I've, year. I don't got the next year for Mesia. energy no. for that. This is now. You start building the physique, and I've got you a martial arts trainer. He should be knocking on your door now. It's the dude from The Matrix. I bought it with our Patreon money. Uh, so if you would like to see Ryan oh, yeah. as Iron Fist next year for Mesia, please continue to support us on Patreon <laughs> so I can continue to fund... The fight choreographer for The Matrix, who will be training him for a full year. That's not cheap, everybody. I wouldn't imagine it would be. And I have a lot of work to do. <laughs> a lot. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Get in shape. I'm out. This is going to be, yeah, oh man. I always talk about being an actor, but as soon as they're like, hey man, we're going to get you ripped for this comic book movie, and we're like... Can I just pay the fat, lazy friend that sits on the couch? That's. I just want to play me in Hollywood, who is a fat, really? lazy slob. So you want the Seth Rogen gig? Yeah, who <laughs> would not want the Seth Rogen gig? 
I mean, it's pretty great, but I don't know. You get to hang There's out with James Franco's brother mm-hmm. all day? Jim Franco? I feel like there's, yeah, Jim Franco. <laughs> what a good dig at Dave Franco. <laughs> Why is James Franco's brother have the same name? They just call him Jim. What the fuck? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, man. <laughs> Hey, man. Well, let's end this fucking how, episode. How goddamn powerful James Franco was that their parents were like, well, you're, we can't you're deviate also, too far. Your name's Jim. Shut up. Yeah. It's either Jim or James, too. Hey, man. Mm-hmm. I'm James. And I'm Jim. And uh, we're Experience Grind. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>